You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, the Green Bay Packers fell to the Denver Broncos 19-17. to This is, I mean, we all kind of were waiting around with bated breath a little bit to see how this was going to pan out. It was, it was either going to be, in our minds, smoke the Broncos and prove that this is a legit football team or lose to the Broncos and just let's just put us out of our misery. And it seems like that's kind of where we ended up. Um, now, no, it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. Things can change. Things can blah, 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 blah. But when you look at the available information in front of you, it's not a good football team. And yes, it's it's very much up for debate what exactly the issue is. Largely the the fan base is being split into two camps, which is every fan base's favorite thing, especially Packer fans. You feel like, hey, Rodgers is gone. Now we can all unify. Nope. Now we have to pick between Matt LaFleur or Jordan Love. Who's to blame? Whatever. But at the end of the day, it was a very similar game to what we had seen most of the year anyways, at least to some degree, which is the team can't move the ball in the first half, comes out, makes a valiant effort in the second half, but... This time, unlike some of the comebacks, it ended in defeat. Um, and what is becoming very familiar now is the game ending in a Jordan Love interception. It's becoming a bit of a pattern. So before we get into the meat of it all, run through some of the statistics. Jordan Love was 21 of 31, which for the first time I think all year is a pretty competent completion percentage at least. But only 180 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, which would explain the 21 of 31. Two touchdowns and a pick. 29 yards was his longest, and he had a 90.8 passer rating. Uh, running the ball, uh, Jordan had three carries for 21 yards. I thought he did a good job with that. A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 61 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. As I said last night, I feel like this was definitely his best game of the year. We saw his probably his longest rush of 15 yards. Maybe he had one before, but I don't remember it. He had a big reception, which we'll get to. Um, just a good game. Aaron Jones was a little bit limited in his participation, which makes sense, but he had eight carries for 35 yards, which is 4.4 yards per carry. Still not um, necessarily the 5.5 Aaron Jones that we're used to, but I thought he looked fantastic. He looked like the old Aaron Jones making plays that you just watch and go, man, nobody else is doing that. I mean, not, not on this team. There, there's maybe a couple around the league, but his vision is just special. I love watching the guy. Emmanuel Wilson got a couple opportunities. He looked fantastic. He had two carries for 19 yards, 9.5 yards per carry. And Ontavian Wicks got in for one. We have to try at least one end around per game. I think every single one of them has failed this year. They just cannot get that going for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just we can't get the blocking down or if teams just know exactly when it's coming every single time. I'm not entirely sure, but it just doesn't work. And for the receivers, A.J. Dillon, two targets, two receptions, 34 yards. 29 yards was his longest. Again, he had a really nice play in there. Jaden Reed had three receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown. Maybe the play of the day uh, had a pass go off of Romeo Dobbs' fingers. Jaden Reed sprints and lays out for it and is able to recover that. And that was on fourth down. That was, that was really, really incredible. 
Romeo Dobbs was 2 of 5 for 30 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Jones with 3 of 5, 22 yards. Luke Musgrave, um, 4 of 5 for 30 yards. Christian Watson, 3 of 5 for 27. Emmanuel Wilson, 2 targets, 2 receptions, 8 yards. Dontavian Wicks, 1 for 1 for 17 yards. I'm really liking Wicks' ability to do some stuff after the catch. That was not what I expected from him. He's you know a clean route runner, but I don't really expect to see that. But he had that big touchdown earlier in the season where he broke a few tackles and was able to get past and he did that again today he caught a pass shook a few people and got upfield is the fourth longest reception of the day Samori Ture two targets one reception three yards Ben Sims one target one reception two yards but a big two yards at that and then on defense Isaiah McDuffie who I felt like had a really good day was flying all over the place 10 tackles seven of them being solo tackles he did leave lead the team in tackles after that, it looks like was Carrington Valentine and then Rudy Ford. Not a good thing when a corner is up high because usually it means you're getting picked on in coverage. One sack credited to Preston Smith. Uh, Quay Walker had two tackles for a loss. Razul Douglas had one. Zero pass deflections in the game or interceptions for that matter, which obviously is not the best. There were zero kick returns in the game. Keyshawn Nixon, though, uh, two punt returns, 17 yards, 8.5 average. Honors Carlson had his first missed kick, but I'm not blaming him. It's not his fault. It's the announcer's fault for jinxing him, and I'm sticking by that. And Daniel Whelan, I thought, was phenomenal in this game. He had three punts for 155 yards, 51.7 average, one touchback, and two inside the 20. Um, and the one that went in for a touchback, I mean, that thing was just rolling. That almost felt like that was pretty close to stopping there. Um, he has been booming the heck out of that ball. Really, really good stuff. Um, some of the team statistics... Packers actually did win time of possession, which was surprising, but they obviously did a good job down the stretch of controlling the football. Wasn't by much. It was 31 and a half to uh, 28 and a half minute. Uh, Packers ran more offensive plays, although the Broncos did get more yards, more yards per play. Uh, what else is interesting? Turnovers. The Packers obviously had the one. That was the only one in the game. Uh, completion percentage. They were almost even at 69%. Jordan Love just slightly lower at 68.8. Passing yards was an exact high, 194 although some of that was Dontavian Wicks. Uh, Russ did have more yards per attempt and more yards per completion. Jordan led with touchdowns. Jordan was not sacked in this game, so by default, Russ was sacked more. Uh, We did get 4.7 yards per carry, which is a respectable number. The Broncos with 5.8, which sucks. We had 20 first downs to their 18, so relatively close. Third down efficiency, we were at 43%. They were at 42%. I mean, this thing was just it was really, really close. We were actually 2 for 2 on fourth downs, 100%. They were 0 for 1. In the red zone, we were 2 for 3. I mean, you look at these stats, and it's like, I feel like this is a good game, you know? And I even even if you look at Jordan Love's stats, like his uh, EPA per play and his, his CPOE, and it's like, this everything looks good. If I just If you just showed me this, and you showed me his CPOE and his EPA per play, and then you showed me our third down, fourth down, and red zone efficiency... And that we won time of possession. I'd be like, dude, we kind of we kicked the crap out of them, didn't we? Except we didn't. It was a close game, though, to be fair. Uh, passes defended, they had five, we had zero. Interceptions, they had one, we had zero. Tackles for a loss, they had four, we had three. And that's about it. That's interesting. I do want to read PFF's recap here because I found it interesting. At least some good news in here. Not all, obviously. Uh, They gave the offensive spotlight to Russell Wilson. Defensive spotlight, though, it says Packers edge rusher Rashawn Gary continues to look like one of the best defensive players in the game as he works his way back to full force after injury last year. Gary, now close to a full workload, playing two fewer defensive snaps than Preston Smith in this game. Gary finished the contest with an absurd pass rush rate of 40% pending review and has been leading the league in that area all season. 
So I'm actually glad to see that because I wasn't sure. I knew that he was just terrorizing the quarterback on every play early in the game, and then it felt like there wasn't much pressure later. But I also know he didn't play a ton. He was constantly out of the game. So very happy to hear that Rashawn Gary still had a fantastic game. Rookie spotlight, it says six different rookie skill position players saw playing time for the Packers in this game, and they combined to make some of the biggest plays for the team in a losing effort. Receiver Jaden Reed caught a touchdown off a deflected pass off of a Romeo Dob- uh, off of a drop from Romeo Dobbs, while Luke Musgraves four targets and three catches tied for the team lead. Uh, all right, on top of that, this is a tweet from Andy Herman. I'll let him do the legwork for me. Players who went down injured at one point or another in this game. Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, Josh Myers, Dun- uh, Devontae Wyatt, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage. He said, I think Rudy Ford got hurt at one point too, but not sure he ever went out. Am I missing anyone? Answer, best answer in the comments, Packers pride. <laughs> Very injured. I mean, that's rough, dude. You know what I mean? I mean, that is rough. Not only did we lose, but, and on top of that, Luke Musgrave is now in a walking boot. I don't know the situation with Christian Watson, but that did not look good. It's definitely his knee, or at least it appeared to be his knee, whether there's any damage or not, or it's just some, you know, I don't know, minor thing. We'll we'll find out. But it, it's it's almost as if, even if the Packers have no intention of tanking, which I know that they don't. I mean, the, the GM may be sitting around, you know, and, and Mark Murphy doing his little 65% chant, but this time about, I don't know, lose the game chant. But the, the team is not going to quit. Matt LaFleur is not going to quit. But it seems like it's being forced on them. You know, this is this is an implosion of epic proportion. And I don't even just mean the play, because I think a lot of things are getting better. In fact, it was funny, as I was doing Packernet After Dark yesterday, I was like, I feel like everybody kind of did a good job. <laughs> like, who was bad in this game? My opinion, Jordan Love was bad. Not everybody's opinion, okay. Were the wide receivers bad? I mean, I know the Romeo Dobbs thing is considered a drop, but that's a tough catch. So, okay, so we'll call that a drop, um, which then was followed by a miraculous catch by a wide receiver. By the way, the Romeo Dobbs touchdown, that was 100%. We, we had somebody call in and say, I wish we had like guys that could win 50-50 balls and kind of bail out Jordan Love. That was a bailout Jordan Love thing. He threw up a 50-50 ball, and Romeo Dobbs went up and got it. Um, so that was... Two times, wide receivers completely just made beautiful plays to get touchdowns. Like, was Christian Watson bad? I don't think so. He looked like he was having a good day until Jordan Love threw a pass and snapped his knee. Yes, that is my official description of that situation. It was such a bad pass <laughs> that it snapped his knee. Um, was Samori Ture bad? I don't think so. I mean, he caught a pass. I can't really... I didn't see what else he did the rest of the plays. He's not at fault for the interception. Musgrave, I thought, did a decent enough job for what he was working with. You haven't really seen him get targeted down the field, but to be fair, I don't think really anybody's been targeted down the field much. Would love to see that get going at some point, just like I'd love to see Christian Watson get going down the field at some point, but I don't know that that's going to really happen. Ben Sims, again, big Ben Sims fan over here. As as the ardent, he's a, a guy that wasn't drafted high, so he must suck proponent, which is me, the, the, the simplistic thinking that, that I'm that guy. I like Ben Sims. I, I, everything I've ever seen him do has been great, including stiff arming guys into oblivion and picking up critical first downs. Offensive line, great job. Almost no pressure in the game, zero sacks given up, and that's in the midst of injuries taking place. And by the way, if I was 
if I've ever become a big Zach Tom to center proponent, this is the game. Not to, not that he played much there, but obviously when he's playing center, I'm watching him. And immediately, the very first play I see, I see Zach Tom wall off the guy immediately in front of him and then get up to the next level, reach that guy and block him. Now, it seemed really easy as though maybe Josh Myers also could have executed that. Like he didn't really put a lot of effort into it. But I'm looking at it like that was everything I've ever wanted from a center and I just saw it, and big shocker, we had a big run up the middle. So I thought he did a great job at tackle and at center, and the offensive line did a great job of not allowing any pressures. It was the best probably run-blocking game of the season-ish, maybe? Maybe not. Maybe it sucked. I don't know. One of the best running games of the season. Aaron Jones looked great. A.J. Dillon looked great. Emmanuel Wilson looked great. We just heard Rashawn Gary was great. I thought Preston had a good day. He had a sack. Obviously, some guys are making mistakes somewhere along the line as far as the run defense is going. I mean, I did see Razul miss the, um, the, that one tackle that resulted in a big play, but, but he also had a huge play that caused an 11-yard loss in the backfield. That was fantastic. I saw Devontae Wyatt make a play in the backfield, and then Wyatt ends up getting injured, so you know we had to have uh, Colby Wooden come in and fill in. I thought McDuffie had a good day. I saw Quay making plays, including a, a big tackle for a loss in the backfield, just shooting through gaps. I think we, to some degree, learned Savage's worth, because as soon as he went out, you, you could feel it. Um, I thought Valentine struggled a little bit, but I thought Razul looked solid out there. I'm sure there are some bad performances, but on a, on a play-to-play individual basis, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, there, there's nobody that I was looking at it going, you freaking idiot, again! And that's kind of the thing that gives me a little bit of hope, to be completely honest. And I know nobody wants to hear that right now. It's it's fire everybody, cut everybody, new GM, new coach, new players. I get that. But I mean, really, I, who was it that was terrible that you can remember? I'm sure, I mean, I'm positive when PFF comes out with their grades and we'll talk about it tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of red, or at least some red. But, like, I mean, again, we, we could always default back to the scoring, for the defense and say it wasn't that bad if nothing else and i understand the complaints because i am frustrated with the defense as well but you can't argue with 17 points and that's on the back of the offense not really doing much with the ball at least for most of the the game i think the biggest complaint with the defense is that they just keep allowing these big long drives right it was if you look at it, it's like it was field goal punt field goal punt field goal, touchdown, punt, field goal, downs, right? And especially when the punts, it's like three plays, punt, five plays, punt, three plays, punt. Those are basically three and outs, right? So that's pretty solid. The problem is it's 11 plays, 62 yards, three plays, punt. 11 plays, 70 yards, five plays, punt. Six plays, 50 yards, and then, you know, then it's halftime, and then they get the ball again, and then it's seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown, and then it's three plays, punt. You know, it's like either super good or they drive all the way down the field and score. There's really, I mean, there's literally no in-between. It was drive all the way down the field, score, three plays, punt. Drive all the way down the field, score, five plays, punt. Drive all the way down the field, score, and then halftime. Then it was drive all the way down the field, score, punt. Three plays, punt. Drive all the way down the field, score, and then end of the game. So that that is the biggest frustration. But still, you look at it and say, okay, so it's a bend-don't-break defense, which sucks, and they should be better than that. They shouldn't have to be bend-don't-break. They should just be good. You know, but it is what it is. 17 points. And what have they given up in the past few weeks? They gave up 17. Then two weeks ago, they gave up 17. Then it was 34 to Detroit, which isn't great. And then 17 Falcons, 25 isn't great. And then 20. So there's a 25 and a 34. Otherwise, it's been 20, 17, 17, 17. 
Again, the, the long drives thing is kind of annoying, but I mean, you take away that 34 points from the Lions, they, nobody's really done anything against our, our and, and we haven't, fa- I mean, the Bears offense sucks, the Falcons offense sucks, the Saints offense sucks, the Raiders offense sucks, the Broncos offense sucks. Granted, I'm just saying, it should be better, but it's just, it's not enough for me to sit here and go, you sons of, I hate you so much, 17 points, you freaking... 5.8 yards per carry like that's that's an annoyance and it's something that shouldn't be as bad but it's also not something i'm looking at it going this is why we're losing 17 freaking points are you serious it's not why we're losing so again and and i mean you know where i'm weaving to i get that but i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm asking you and you can answer it your own way you can answer and be like dude freaking aj dylan's a piece of crap that's what was wrong but i mean everything seemed to be pretty good the thing to me that wasn't great was Jordan Love and maybe Matt LaFleur. I don't know. Because there's, there's two different kinds of failed plays. There's plays in which Jordan Love, and obviously there's other scenarios as well, but, but let's just say in terms of the, the Jordan Love slash I'm not sure plays. In other words, not drops or running plays. There's either Jordan Love made some kind of a mistake, or there's, I'm not exactly sure what went wrong on that, but it didn't end in a successful outcome. And in that second category, we don't know until we go back and look at it. Now, that could be a check down on third and eight that gets two yards, and we still don't know why that happened. Was he designed to throw it to that person? Was somebody open down the field and he didn't throw it, and so he checked it down because he either didn't see or didn't pull the trigger on time or whatever? Maybe he panicked. And so he checked it down, and so then that's why it happened. Was nobody open, and it was the right thing to do to at least get as many yards as you can? We don't know the answer to that question. But here's the thing, and this is what I said yesterday. Throwing Matt LaFleur on the grenade to protect Jordan Love does no good because Jordan Love's going to take the shrapnel anyways. So we're just unnecessarily throwing Matt LaFleur on the grenade because we don't know if he's doing a bad job. And again, from everything I can tell, he's not. And again, one of the biggest evidences to me, and I'll, I'll get to Jordan Love and his some somewhat positive statistics in a minute. The, the biggest thing to me, and I, I mentioned this yesterday when Jersey Mike called in, is the fact that we are no good in the first half and very good in the second half. We know 100% that is a Jordan Love issue. Are we really going to pretend that Matt LaFleur also at the exact same time magically adopted that same issue? Jordan Love has had this issue since before preseason, where he got off to a really, he was really cold and then kind of warmed up as, t- as time went on. That's been his thing since day one. So if we're going to say, without actually knowing, that Matt LaFleur is bad at play calling in the first half and then really good in the second half, without any real knowledge that that's what's happening, there's no reason to do that. Because there's a very valid explanation right, right in front of our face. The quarterback. The quarterback. What if all of those passes in the second half could have happened in the first half too if Jordan Love just executed? I don't know that that's the case. But what if? Is it impossible considering that's already one of his issues and we know that it is? The, the point is we don't need to add that extra layer. Until there's evidence of it, I see no reason to walk up and shoot Matt LaFleur in the face. Just completely unnecessarily. I watched the problem. His name is Jordan Love. And it's like, well, aside from the pick, what did he do wrong? Are you freaking kidding me? Again, I already mentioned the, the curl route to Musgrave last night on the podcast. I see him 
run the curl route, and he's standing there, and he's standing there, and he's standing there, and then Jordan Love throws it, hits him in the chest, and the defender swats it away. It was three seconds after he ran his curl route. What is the point of even throwing it? You should have thrown that three seconds ago, if at all. One of the passes to Musgrave nearly sails over his head. He has to sky up in the air and catch it and try to turn up field. Yes, it's a completion. It's a bad pass. The predetermined throw to Romeo Dobbs in the corner of the end zone for no reason whatsoever. The, you know, slant route or whatever it was that hit Romeo Dobbs in the feet. The play to Christian Watson where he's coming wide open. And they even said on the broadcast, now is when you should throw it. Now is when he's open. And instead, he comes free, then he has to stop, and then he stands there, and then the ball gets thrown back behind him the other direction. He has to fall and contort his body as the defender hits him, which is what snapped his frickin' knee. The sidearm pass to Romeo Dobbs that I'm supposed to worship that was behind Romeo Dobbs was not an accurate pass. It might have been good enough for an NFL receiver, which maybe he shouldn't have thrown a frickin' laser. If you're going to throw it behind him, at least maybe take a little bit off. But okay, fine. I mean, that, that to me is not the greatest pass in the world. And you say, well, excuse me, 21 of 31. That's 67%, I think. How could you possibly have a problem with that? Let me ask you a question. How many completions do you think Jordan Love had beyond 10 yards? Let, 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 let's stop for a second. How many completions do you think Jordan Love had beyond 20 yards? The answer is zero. He had two incompletions beyond 20 yards on the left-hand side, and then he had one interception. He had three passes beyond 20 yards, incomplete, incomplete, and picked. Beyond 10 yards, three completions. Do you know how many of his completions came at five yards or less? 15. 15 of his passes came at five yards or less. Do you know how many of those passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage? 10. About 50% of his completions. Remember, he had 21 completions. 10 of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And almost all of them were at or behind an additional one, two, three, four, five of them were not even five yards down the field. He completed five passes beyond five yards. Five. So yeah, his his completion percentage did go up. That's true. His 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 <laughs> he had one, two, three, four, five, six passes. So he had five completions beyond five yards. He had six incompletions, including a pick. So his stats beyond five yards was 5 for 11 for one touchdown and one pick. That's all he did beyond 5, not beyond 10, not beyond 20, beyond 5. So no, I, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't massively impressed with, with the fact that he had, what, 10, 15 checkdowns in this game? No, I wasn't. And no, I'm not blaming Matt LaFleur for that. You know why? Because more than one person runs a route. If he throws it two yards down the field, if, you're, if your immediate thought is, well, Matt LaFleur must have called a two-yard pass, you're not understanding how this works. But again, as I said, yeah, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's take a break, and I want to pivot to the positive here. Positives, I suppose. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. The positives are, in my opinion, somewhat self-evident. Now, again, if Matt LaFleur is, is part of the problem as a play caller, then we've got a bigger issue, and that is, you know, play calling. But we don't know that, and we don't honestly have any real reason to believe that, because what we're seeing from Jordan Love is sufficient to explain what we're seeing. We don't need an additional explanation. Jordan Love not seeing the field, not reading defenses, not throwing on time, not, not doing any of these things that he's supposed to be doing that he was doing early in the season explains every single thing that we're seeing. I, I don't need, like, okay, but what else? Like, what do you mean, what else? Well, there must be more. No, there doesn't must be more. <laughs> That's, that, that tells me the whole story. Now, there might be other things. It's possible our guys are running wrong routes. And I mean, we saw, again, one time where there were two guys standing next to each other and Matt LaFleur lost his freaking mind. I mean, that's, 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 that kind of stuff is a problem. It's a minor problem given the amount of times we ran plays, but it's still a problem. But hear me out. Let's just pretend that Matt LaFleur's play calling is at least adequate. That it's not horrific and, and like bottom five, terrible trash, whatever. Um, if that's the case, and we do have an offensive line that's blocking well, which it is because we just watched that happen. And we do have running backs that are playing well, which we just also saw. And we have wide receivers that seem to be playing well, which from everything I saw, they were. And really the biggest issue is... We just have a quarterback not executing. That's positive for a number of reasons. If you're still big on Jordan Love's going to turn this around, I've got great news. He has a great offensive line, capable wide receivers, and from the best I can tell, he has open receivers thanks to the scheme of his offensive coordinator slash head coach. So that's great news. All he has to do is wake the F up, and we're good to go. Um, if he doesn't, however, I've got more good news for you. We are going to continue to lose games. And we're going to end up with a very, very high pick in a class that is somewhat loaded with quarterbacks. And um, at this point, as I said yesterday, I would be kind of stunned if we don't have a top five pick, potentially even a top three pick, and um, could very well end up with a top quarterback. And again, good news, this quarterback is very likely going to have a really good pass-blocking offensive line, some good running uh, capabilities here, or at least good running backs, because I'm sure AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones will be back at least one more year. Got some talented wide receivers. Maybe we even add to it because we got some cap space and whatnot. Um, and who knows? Maybe we get a new defensive coordinator and we we maximize our defense to a slightly higher degree. Maybe who knows? I mean, it's not hard. As as frustrated as we are, it's not that hard to get. Now, for some people, it's going to be hard. For me, it's not hard to get from A to B. To get from, we're not very good, how do we become very good? I mean, certainly, like, we could use another left tackle, and we there's a lot of things we could, like, nitpick and all that, but, like, what's what's just definitively not working? 
The offensive line as a whole is working. Do I want this current situation to stay the situation? Probably not. But, you know, least pressured quarterback in all of football isn't the worst situation to be in. So, you know, again, if, if we have the worst GM and the worst head coach and an entire coaching staff that's trash and the quarterback's not good enough and the offensive line sucks and A.J. Dillon's trash and these wide receivers aren't good enough, fine. But, but I, again, I think we're just making stuff up. <laughs> it's like the offense isn't working and so I'm going to throw everybody under the bus when really it doesn't need to be. You ever heard the term a fall guy? Now, it, it, it has some negative connotations and whatnot, but the bottom line is it, there's, there's a reason it's a fall guy because it's adequate at times to just blame one person. That might not be the right person, and sometimes there are other people that are to blame, but the point is we all accept that it, it at least is adequate to summarize. Even if it's not true, we can pretend it is. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, that's, that's not adequate because it's impossible that it was just one person. No, it is possible. We're lying, but we're going to say it was that guy. Because it is possible. And guess what? I've got more good news for you. Quarterback is the most important position in, on a football team for a reason. Again, this isn't, this isn't a stretch. If what I'm saying is true, which statistically it is, that Jordan Love is one of the worst quarterbacks in football, guess what a team looks like that has a bottom three quarterback? It looks like the current Green Bay Packers. If you put Zach Wilson on this team, you know what we'd look like? Kind of like we look right now. If you put, you know, f bottom floor Justin Fields on this team, you know what we'd look like? About like what we look like right now. That's what we're getting right now. That's the production we're getting by every freaking metric that is available to us. Now, that isn't to say that Jordan Love can't turn it around, right? Well, it's only been six games. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. You can do with the information whatever it is, but we're not going to sit here and pretend that the information isn't the information. I don't need a secondary excuse. I don't need to know about our, you know, offensive line coat or our play calling or the motivation in the locker room. Like, everybody's like, well, he, he doesn't get these guys ready to go. Team looked ready to go to me. Again, if the team was massively motivated and really ready to go and the wide receivers and the offensive line and the play calling and everything else was perfect and Jordan Love played like a bottom three quarterback, guess what our team would look like? Exactly like what we saw. So why do I need to add more to it than that? I don't need another explanation until I can actually physically see something else. And I didn't physically see anything else. Catchable pass percentage, now that I got SIS. Out of 32 quarterbacks, Jordan Love is 28th. On target percentage, he's 23rd. Adjusted net yards per attempt, he's 22nd. IQR, 25th. Pressure percentage, 31st. Points earned per play, 24th. Points above average per play, 24th. Positive play percentage, 22nd. Points above replacement, 25th. And guess what? It gets worse if you look at beyond 5 yards. His positive play percentage is 31st out of 31 quarterbacks. 44.9% of his passing plays beyond five yards are positive. Dead last. Points above replacement. This is how much better are you than a, than a replacement-level quarterback. He ranks 28th out of 31. He's ahead of only Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and Ryan Tannehill. Boom percentage. How often do you have, like, really good plays? 28th. Bust percentage. How often do you have really bad plays? 24th. That's 24th worst. I'm not going to baby this, man. 
and this isn't going to get better. I mean, yeah, his his catchable play percentage, not if we actually look at air yards, but that kind of stuff will go up. His completion percentage, it's not going to make that much of a difference, to be completely honest, because we're so many weeks into this. I mean, we got guys with that completion percentage almost every single week. It's not going to move the needle much. But I'm, I mean, I'm struggling to find him above Justin Fields in a single category. So again, I will go back and I'm going to watch. And if there's nobody open and there's nothing for, for Jordan Love to do, and he's got time in the pocket, but there's nobody available, then I will say as much. And I will come back and I'll say, you know what? Despite the inaccuracies and all that kind of stuff, all the bad plays were still bad plays. It's just of the questionable plays, Jordan didn't really have a lot else to do. It couldn't have gotten, well, it could have gotten better. On the plays in which he either didn't throw it or checked it down or whatever, there was no better options. And that's on Matt LaFleur. But understand what that means. It's either Jordan Love is really bad, and also Matt LaFleur had a bad game, or it's going to get twice as bad for Jordan Love. Because the bad stays bad. It's just a matter of whether the question marks were also Jordan Love's fault. And I can promise you some of them were. Just in the few snapshots we got, I already know that they were. Like, again, the, the play that uh, Watson got hurt. That's a prime example. We don't usually get to see that. The, the interception. He had A.J. Dillon wide open with room to run. We don't need a touchdown. It's not fourth down. You can give it to him and let him run. He chose to chuck it down there like that. There was a time when Jordan Love was very impressive in everything he was doing, and I was saying it out loud, and I'm going to say if he's not impressive. And what I'm telling you, and, and again, this is this is including, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's get rid of the first couple, since that was a completely different football team, and that's not what we've been. What have we been since, oh, let's see, what week? I mean, we could just get rid of the Bears game and say since the Falcons, because let's be honest, it's pretty much been the same team since then. We did lead a comeback against the Saints, but we almost did that against the Broncos anyways. Excluding week one, adjusted net yards per attempt, a metric you can use to judge quarterbacks. He ranks 28th out of 31, ahead of just Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson. Quarterback rating, he's dead last with a 68.1, 31st out of 31. IQR, which is sort of SIS's sort of QB rating. 29th out of 31, ahead of just Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter. Again, pressure percentage is the third best, even excluding week one. Just 27.8%. Tua and Joe Burrow are the only ones that are better. Points earned per play. This is sort of like EPA per play kind of thing. 29th out of 31. Only one of three quarterbacks with a negative points earned per play, ahead of Desmond Ritter and Mac Jones. Points above average per play He's second from the bottom ahead of just Desmond Ritter. He's 30th out of 31. I've only taken away week one, the Bears game. That's it. Every other game, including the Saints game, is included here. Positive play percentage is 19th. That's the first time I've seen him above 20th in a while. Points above replacement. Negative 7.3. Understand what that means. A zero is a replacement player back. It's it's a backup quarterback. It is a replacement. He is negative 7.3. Third worst. Mac Jones is negative 7.4, Desmond Ritter negative 18.7. Third worst, 29th out of 31. Boom percentage, which is big plays, 25th out of 31. Bust percentage, 14th. And again, this is not looking at, this is looking at all passes, not anything down the field or anything. When I say he is literally at the bottom, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, he, notice, he is not ahead of Bryce Young in any of those metrics I mentioned, when he's like bottom three, when I said he's only ahead of this person, this person, this person, never once did I say Bryce Young. Did you notice that? Panthers quarterback, rookie, Sam Howell, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. 
I didn't say their names, because he wasn't ahead of them in any of those categories. Except maybe, like, when he was 15th or something that one time. But boom and bust percentage are not, like, general grading categories. Josh Dobbs for the Cardinals. He's not ahead of him in any of those categories. Ryan Tannehill. Joe Burrow, who's been playing like garbage. Russell Wilson. Matt Stafford. Baker Mayfield. Gardner Minshew. None of them. So again, I don't need a secondary scapegoat. There might be one. There might be other issues like crazy going on out there. And I know that there are other issues occasionally. Peak Aaron Rodgers, his best season ever, had issues occasionally. That's not the question, though. Why is this inept is the question. What is causing this thing to not be able to go down the field? Right? We can run the ball. We can block. We can do all these things in this game. The thing that we're missing is downfield passing. And, and we saw in the second half of the game, we started getting some downfield passing and we started moving. Why can't we get downfield passing going? Well, there's, a, there's basically three different explanations. And, and it can be one, two, or all three. One, Jordan Love. Two, play calling. Three, the receivers. Again, it could be all three. And it is going to be a combination of these three to some degree. I'm sure the receivers have made mistakes. I'm sure Matt LaFleur has made mistakes. And I know Jordan Love has made mistakes. But, again, I, I just described to you that Jordan Love is a bottom three quarterback. I don't know why we have to really rack our brains about this. Like, man, if I had to pick one person or one category that was probably the biggest issue... Boy, oh boy. I mean, we got Matt LaFleur, who, um, you know, just five seconds ago was called a genius on that podcast. And obviously, we got back-to-back things with Aaron Rodgers and 13 wins. And then at the beginning of the season, Matt LaFleur was called a genius for the creative play calling and all that. And obviously, we can see in the second half of games, the play calling is working. And I doubt they're radically changing the way we're playing football. But maybe, I don't know. That's one option. Um, The receiver's... Aside from like the one time we saw them run into each other, are, are running into each other consistently and are never running the right routes, or maybe the bottom three quarterbacks just not doing a good job. Maybe that's why we're not able to pass the football down the field. Again, I'm admitting I don't know, but what have I always said on this podcast a thousand times? I just want to know what makes the most sense. For crying out loud, guys. Come on. I mean. This is not a. Uh, this is not like a third level of calculus we're trying to do here. So this is very simple for me. Right now, Jordan Love is a major problem. Right now, Jordan Love is causing this offense to not work. The only other question I need to know is what other things are causing us problems. The offensive line was a concern. I, I mentioned that it was short term. Let's see if we can turn it around. As far as I can tell, they've turned it around. We had one really bad game. The next week, it got better. This week, it was great. The running still isn't good enough. Got to tweak some things, maybe look at running back in the future to replace Aaron Jones, you know, down the line. Dylan probably not going to be a premier guy. Maybe we look at uh, improving, especially the interior, to try to get some better run blocking while not compromising the pass blocking. I mean, we're kind of nipping around the edges here trying to figure out stuff like that. We got to still work on defense. Do we need a new defensive coordinator? You know, do we look at safety or defensive tackle? Or, you know, we got to kind of tweak these things, figure these things out. The big one we got to figure out is do we need a change at coach? And we got to look at the play calling. But again, I, I heard the accusation, then I went and looked at it the last game, and there was no issue with play calling. None. 
And we'll see, but I'm not really, I'll, I'll be just completely honest. I'm, I'm being arrogant at this point, and I may be eating my words. I'm not expecting to see major issues with play calling. Now, that doesn't mean guys are open every play, because that's never going to be the case. The defensive coordinator is going to win once in a while. He's going to call a good play at least once, maybe twice. <laughs> you know? But is Matt LaFleur the reason we're stalling out? We'll see. And we'll keep investigating it. But I, I really only want to hear from people that are actually watching. People that are going to be patient, that are not going to criticize play calling without actually seeing the play calling, are going to watch the game again from all 22 so they can see actually all the routes developing to see if there were any options for the quarterback. And if there are not options consistently, then we have a problem. And I remember seeing that, especially under Mike McCarthy. It's like guys just run straight down the field and we had generally the defenders would be like in man coverage or just run down the field with them and they're not open. It's like, I, I, this is stupid. Nobody's ever open. So I've seen it before, but I just haven't seen it with Matt LaFleur. So we'll see. All right, let's take another break and uh, well, we'll be right back. All right, so after the break, I figure we'll do Matt LaFleur's press conference. Obviously, he's very frustrated with the way things went. Uh, I want to go through that. Um, and again, I, I want to preface this because I, I already know that one of the things that people are going to mention is Matt LaFleur said it was his fault. Well, no, he didn't. One thing that I think is very evident, and, and, and again, I'm reading between the lines and maybe I'm biased because I have a certain position on this, but it sounds very similar to last week. He ultimately is saying, look, I got to do a better job. No matter what, he's always going to say to some degree, look, I got to figure out a way. Ultimately, it's, it ends with me. And, I, and, and again, to some degree, that's true. Right, the buck stops here. But when you actually listen to what he says about what's wrong, he always talks about execution. <laughs> it's like, look, ultimately, it's me. But I mean, these freaking guys, man, they don't know what they're doing. They suck. And, and that's my fault. It's my fault. But um, yeah, they suck. And, and they're not doing it. And they suck. So here's how it started. I think we got to do enough to win uh, from an offensive standpoint, and we obviously aren't. It's just way too fragmented um, and uh, just not consistent execution. And obviously got to do a better job myself of putting our guys in a better position, um, particularly in the first half. And, uh, yeah, just disappointed, and I'm disappointed for our guys. I thought they battled hard. We, we did – have some adversity strike in terms of it just seems like we've got a lot of guys going down with injuries and that's just part of the game and really at the end of the day nobody cares the expectation is the same next man up you go in you go battle and we expect there's a certain level of, of performance that we expect from all our guys so again it's he starts off by saying the execution sucked and then he's like and also i gotta you know i gotta get guys to where they can actually do stuff you know, I'm be, I got to figure out how to like make magic so that they don't suck. Like that's my job. Um, but ultimately, and then he ends with ultimately the execution sucked. How much progress do you feel you made over the bye week with maybe fixing some of those slow starts? And, and Obviously zero. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it's been that way for the last month? That's a great question. So... I mean, fair enough. Um, and, and a lot of people, they're, again, they're listening to this and they're like, you know, what a piece of crap. He doesn't know the answer to the question. Um, look, I think, I think ultimately he knows on a play-by-play -play basis he could tell you what the problems are. Why there's not growth, I don't know that he can necessarily answer. Now, that can be a coaching problem. 
And again, there's a difference between play calling and does he suck as a coach, right? I have no, and, and part of the reason why I'm not going to defend him on that is because I don't have a metric for that. There are certain things you can look at, but even that is kind of iffy. Like, for example, they're, 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 they didn't come out to play. Who didn't come out to play? Who didn't come out to play? Well, the team, because they lost. Oh, that's, that's BS. You can't say if you lose, you didn't come out to play. They might have come out very ready to play. I mean, I can get some super motivated high schoolers to come out there and get the crap beat out of them, 175 to nothing. Is that bad coaching or is it, you know, a bad loss because they're freaking high schoolers against NFL football players? It's it's harder to judge. It's hard. It's kind of like, you know, picking on the offensive line coach. Like, you know, I you can certainly draw a line in, in terms of like, you know, we saw them playing well and then there's a change and now they're not playing as well. So maybe that's, you know, correlation equals causation kind of thing sarcasm but i ultimately don't know and it's kind of just a best guess thing and that's what gets to be difficult about it and honestly it's probably difficult for you know mark murphy and brian gutekunst and whoever else is high enough up that they need to make the decision and are not under fire themselves how do you know and again let's just go with my fake scenario that jordan love is primarily the problem you're telling me that if we had a premier quarterback behind center that came out and executed at a high level, and we won this game by 17 points, that we'd be saying, yeah, but they seemed unmotivated. The locker room doesn't seem hyped up. Like, we wouldn't be getting all kinds of videos of them jumping up and down, cheering about what a great effort that was. I think the fact that we weren't performing is probably why it feels like they're not motivated, because they lost. But why did they lose? And that brings us back to the first part. Penalties are hurting you guys in key times. Yeah, that that was critical. Another critical penalty at the end of the game, and... Uh, it just seems like there's a, there's a lot of those critical mistakes that, that keep popping up, and uh, those are the things that cost you. We had a lot of penalties in this game, and I thought the previous couple games we've done a better job at, at not getting penalized, and um, unfortunately today it was, it was a problem. Again, is that coaching or is that execution? I'm just saying, from, even from Matt LaFleur's standpoint, he, he's, he's trying to be like, but, but, but please understand, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's my fault. But when you really hit him with it, what's he saying? It's, it's, he didn't jump off sides. And so the next one is, is, is a prime example kind of of what I'm talking about. The question directly is, is, you know, what's going on with Jordan Love and some of the inaccuracies. And here was Matt LaFleur's answer. Uh, I got to go back and look at the tape, to be honest with you. And just in terms of, uh, for the most part, I thought he was making pretty good decisions. Um, you know, I put that last one on me uh, in terms of, just probably should have called a, a safer play where you get half of it and, and try to set yourself up for a manageable situation, um, you know, on, on the next down. And we, we took a shot and obviously didn't come through. All right. So this is what I mean when Matt LaFleur takes the fall for stuff. He took the blame for what? Number one, trying to be aggressive and trusting Jordan Love. That's essentially what he's saying. I shouldn't have tried to be aggressive. We should have gone with a safer play. He put the game in Jordan Love's hands, which I got 700 calls saying, we got to let Jordan Love play. We're, we're being too conservative. And that's obviously nonsense. If we have a quarterback playing in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers, we need to be able to trust them in those situations. Okay, that's number one. Number two, it's not on Matt LaFleur that Jordan Love, number one, chose to throw it, which he shouldn't have. And number two, so massively underthrew it that it was picked by a safety from the other side of the field. Number three, there was a safe option on that play. He could have checked it down to A.J. Dillon and got a bunch of yards underneath. 
So this is a coach just falling on the sword for his quarterback. Just because he's saying, I put it on myself. And he does. He, he takes it on himself. That is not his fault. They took a shot. I get it. And this is part of what he means of, I got to do a better job, this, that, and the other. But if we're going to sit here and say that's an example of him doing a bad job, that is freaking insane. There's nothing wrong with taking a shot, especially when you leave other options, and those options could have been successful. And instead of taking those options, they throw to a guy who is not open, the quarterback does, and it's a terrible throw, and it gets picked, and you lose the game. If that's an example of Matt LaFleur making a mistake, then I, I'm sorry, these are not catastrophic mistakes in my mind. This is, this is you know, how do I freaking baby-proof this room here? I gotta add more padding. I gotta, I gotta round, I gotta get some sandpaper and round off the edges on these tables. It's nonsense. Um, I'm not gonna bother playing it, but he was asked about upgrades, updates on injuries. He says he has none, which makes sense, but it's worth mentioning. I do want to add this though. We've got a few people on Twitter and whatnot, and you can take it or leave it. But um, kind of looking at the injury to Christian Watson here was the assessment from Deepak Chona, uh, MD Sports Med Analytics. Packers Christian Watson, concern for ACL plus or minus MCL meniscus. Best case equals a sprain MCL plus or minus bone bruise. That would average two to three weeks MRI tomorrow. So um, he's, according to this person's best guess, best case scenario, he's going to be out for another two weeks, which I feel like we just got him back because we did. Worst case, he's down for the year. We also obviously saw, I mean, again, there was the, the boot on Musgrave, which is a really bad sign. I doubt he plays at the very least next week. So we're, we're very likely down Christian Watson and Musgrave for the Vikings game. We saw Devontae Wyatt get taken out in a cart. I mean, he walked to the sideline, went to the blue tent, but then they took him back in a cart. Doesn't have to mean anything, but it sounds, you know, relatively serious. Um, Savage was down for the day. I mean, we this, this might have been a really, really brutal game. Um, we'll see. Anyways, most of the rest of the questions are about Jordan Love, and I feel like we've beat that dead horse to death. Media certainly wanted uh, wanted a pound of flesh on that, and Matt LaFleur was giving him none of it, as should be the case. It's not the coach's job to stand up there and trash the uh, the players, at least on specific things. You know, you talk about execution, but... But, I mean, where do we go from here, folks? I don't think anything changes. I think it's the same thing we've been saying. This, this is... This is it's like before, when I said it's like college football. Yes, you're on a team, but you're playing to try to get in the pros, right? Your, your job is to get drafted as high as possible. Yes, the Packers are still a team, and you have to learn to play as a team, and you got to learn to do all these things and work in unison and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, you're being judged based on who you are as an individual, right? I mean, Jordan's got to be Jordan for the sake of Jordan, because if he wants to keep a job, he's got to play well. Jaden Reed's got to step up for the sake of Jaden Reed. You know, and, and Josh Myers and John Runyon and Zach Tom and all these guys. Don't worry so much about the results of the of the game. And I know that's impossible because they're competitors and they want to win and this is going to be disheartening and it's going to suck a little bit and all that stuff, right? It's not going to be good. But hang in there and just be freaking awesome. I don't care if you're winning or losing games, Christian Watson. Just be freaking awesome all the time. Romeo Dobbs, just be a freaking dog, all right? Rashawn, yes, your team is bad, and your defense isn't very good. You are one of the best pass rushers in football. Go be that. I don't give a crap what the guys next to you or on the side of you or behind you are doing. You go be a freaking monster. Quay, don't be pouting if, if, you know, 
Carrington Valentine gives up a pass behind you. It's got nothing to do with you. You go beat somebody. I know it's a team thing. I'm not saying this is the strategy from now moving forward. I'm saying this year, be that guy. Be the guy that, that, that basically says, look, whenever you're ready to put a team around me, I'll be ready. Whenever you're ready to, to, to get what I need to go win, I'll be here waiting for you. As long as you're going to pay me what it's going to cost to get me to stay here, I'll be ready. Be that guy. Get the paycheck. Get the money. Because after a season like this, man, the pitchforks come out, and it's not just the fans. Heads are going to roll. That's the bottom line, because at the end of the day, the decision makers have to be the ones to come to a conclusion of what went wrong. And you can't roll this back and be like, ah, eh, maybe it'll be better next time. That's not an option. And the Packers love doing that. All right, if you, it's easy to do that when you win 13 games and then get whooped in the playoffs and people are looking at you like, you got to do something. You got to make a change. It's easy enough to go, nah, no, I don't. That was a fluke. We'll be better next time. We'll turn it around. You can't be a bottom three freaking team in the league and run it back. So you guys need to survive this. You guys need to be good football players. You got to help give us hope. Because again, I can look at this team and say, dude, we got a freaking great offensive line. I don't care what the fan base thinks. You can think whatever you want. I'm looking at the numbers. We got, we got a quarterback that never sees pressure. That's freaking amazing. So you know what? Keep being amazing. And people can piss and moan about the run blocking all they want. You know what? I probably will too when I review this. I'm going to say, you guys freaking suck. You know what? I don't give a crap. Keep being awesome. Keep dominating. Keep doing what you're doing. Aaron Jones, please, for the love of all things holy, keep being you forever. I hope that you can be some kind of a unicorn that continues to play at this level for five more years and we can lock you up to another contract and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just keep being awesome because there, there is awesome on this team. Doesn't feel like it. Everybody's pissed. Everybody wants to whine and moan and piss and cry. I get that. But um, there's good stuff here. And if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. I don't really care. I'm sitting here stuck on this uh, replay on Twitter. They keep replaying the same thing over and over again. The touchdown that Jaden Reed caught. Beautiful play. I love that. I'm excited about that. I want to see more of that. And you know what? Gutekunst, for those that are not maybe good enough, get ready because you're going to have some fun picks to play with. Whether that's a quarterback or a truly elite wide receiver or a premier offensive tackle or whatever it is, we're going to have some fun this year. Make sure those scouts are working overtime because you're definitely not going to want to mess this one up. All right, I'll leave you with that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.